Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. I'm Solveig Brown, and today I am so lucky to have Sue Ryan, who is a transition strategist, as my guest. Our conversation is going to focus on how to navigate change and make transitions in your life with confidence, how to bring emotional intelligence into all aspects of your life and work. And Sue will also talk about her caregiver's journey program, which she designed in response to her long-term caregiving commitments while working full-time. Sue Ryan is a speaker, educator, coach, mentor, and author. For the past 35 years, Sue has been helping leaders in more than 700 organizations successfully navigate transitions in their business and life. Sue is passionate about helping individuals understand themselves in a meaningful way while becoming the greatest leaders of themselves and others. She helps people navigate change with decisive wisdom and confidence, achieving peak performance that results in them feeling great about themselves and satisfied with their achievements. Sue has also been a non-professional caregiver to family and loved ones 11 times. She uses the lessons she has learned and continues to learn to create the Caregiver's Journey program. Sue has also been a longtime mentor for Mentium. Welcome, Sue. I am so happy to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Sylvia. I am so excited to be here, and I am really very proud of having been a part of Mentium for so many years. I have tremendous respect for your program and what you do and the lives of the people who you're touching for making a permanent difference in their lives. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. It's because of you and all the other mentors who make up our amazing community of mentors, but it really does make a huge difference. So you are a change and transition strategist who helps people navigate change with decisive wisdom and confidence. People are experiencing so many transitions during this time. Can you talk about the strategies you teach people on how to intentionally navigate change? Yes, that is a great question. We're all going through change. Change is constant and change is happening in different areas of our lives continuously. And one of the things that is really important for us to understand as we get started is change is an event that happens at at some some time in our life, some kind of an event. And every change isn't, you didn't have a child and then there's a birth. And so there's the ending of you not having children and you start, there's the changing of a job. So, So every change is an ending and yet it's also a beginning. And so we have change, which is the event or experience itself. And then we have transitions and transitions are our personal journey, what we do with that change and how that change impacts our lives and how it creates the transformation in our lives for where we get hopefully to what we want to do. And that's where the word intentionally comes in. When we look with clarity and confidence in what we're doing as far as making those changes in our lives become transitions that are for us, then we're able to to move better in our lives. And so when we look at it, what we wanna do to begin with is to understand ourselves in a meaningful way. We're made up of our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. And our personalities are formed based on how we were naturally wild, how we came into the world, our early childhood experiences and and our early family environment. By the time we're about seven or eight, our beliefs and our personalities are kind of formed and off we go to the next thing. And so unconsciously, 
we live from those things throughout our lives. And we actually, research shows it's like more than 90% of our lives are unconscious to us. So we're not consciously thinking. It's like, it's like our unconscious is, is our subconscious is kind of running who we are. And so when we intentionally, and the word intentionally is because we raise to our level of consciousness and we become unquenchably curious about our personalities and about our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. And when we do that, then we're able to look at, for example, our beliefs and see if our beliefs still support us. As you mentioned, we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence. If we look at our emotions and what we can be doing better with them without exploring why those are our emotions, then we may be having the wrong equation that we're working with. And so what I'd like to offer for everyone who's listening to this is a very simple exercise you could be doing at home to raise your level of curiosity and awareness so that you are able to intentionally navigate transitions to, to have a specific process that gets you from where you are to where you know you want to be. And the beginning of that in raising your level of awareness is just kind of ask yourself when you go through the day and you do something, say, hmm, is that, is that what I really want to do? Am I choosing to do that? Or is that just something that just I automatically do? I automatically reach for something to eat at three o'clock. How about your beliefs? When you say, well, I, I'm a procrastinator, stop and ask yourself, am I really? What does that really mean for me? And so just raise things, raise yourself to your level of awareness and start becoming curious about it. And so when a change happens, you're thinking more about what, what it is and what it can be. And this is where one of the big shifts comes with change is many of us feel like change is happening to us. We're the victim or it's happening to us. And yet when we become aware and we know we're at choice and we're making those choices intentionally, change is happening for us. Wow. I love that distinction. And I like that practical idea for how to stop some of those unconscious patterns, how to be more intentional to pause and reflect on what you're doing at, at any given moment of the day. So when I was doing the research on all the amazing work that you've done and looking at your website and other presentations you've done, the term massive acceptance and radical presence is very important to what you do. Can you explain a little more about that? Yes. I coined the phrase massive acceptance and radical presence. And it actually came from an experience in my caregiving journey with my father. And it was from my not being fully present and my not having completely accepted the fact that he had a type of dementia. I was trying to get him to act the way that he had taught me through my whole life to do. And he didn't have access to that because he had dementia. And our experience wasn't very good. And when I reflected on it later, I realized that I had not massively accepted that he had dementia and massive acceptance. This is so important when we're navigating change in our lives. Massive acceptance is we accept exactly where we are, exactly what happened. We accept it. It doesn't mean we have to like it. It doesn't mean we have to agree with it. It doesn't mean we have to understand it. Some of those lessons will come years later and understanding may come years later. We don't even have to agree with it. We just have to accept this is where we are. And when we do that, we're able to pull the emotion from it. We're able to see it more clearly. And then radical presence, 
fully, fully embraced in the moment. This is what we have access to in the moment, which is all we really have is this moment right now. We're not clouding the moment with, well, I wish it was that way. And why did it have to be that way? We're not fortune telling. Well, if we do this and this and this, it could become this. And we just keep it in our mind. Massive acceptance and radical presence allows us to make the wisest choices in the moment because we see what we really have. It kind of slows us down. It also allows us to maximize the potential and possibilities of each moment. We can see the beauty in the teeny tiniest of little experiences. And yet when there's something that's challenging, instead of having that challenge overwhelm us, we realize we're at choice. We also are able to give ourselves permission not to have the answer and be able to seek counsel from someone else. Oh, I love that, Sue. I literally have goosebumps from your explanation of that because, you know, I think so much in life when you're experiencing that change, you know, there's so much resistance and so much of your time and energy is spent resisting that of, oh, why did this happen? Or what if, or should I have done this? And so I just love that massive acceptance, not just acceptance, but like accepting it all, even if you don't like it, even if you don't agree with it, you know, and, and just that radical presence because that really is all we have is, is just each moment but what a great reminder and I love that phrase you already touched on emotional intelligence a little bit and I want to go back to that because that is Mentium's theme for August mm-hmm. why do you think emotional intelligence is more important now than ever when we understand ourselves in a meaningful way when we really truly truly understand our emotions we can't change who we are. We can't change the path. We can't live our best life if, if our emotions aren't supporting us. So our thoughts and our, and our feelings and our actions combined together form who we are. And one of the things that's really, really important to understand about emotional intelligence is it's, it's not just where we are today. There are some people who will look at emotional intelligence based on the emotions they have right now. And it's extremely important for us to understand them because when we're aware of what they are, we can understand where we have challenges regulating them. We can understand you know, of the components of emotional intelligence. We wouldn't have access to them. One of the things though that's so important, and this is why I precede kind of a focus on emotional intelligence with understanding where our beliefs are and if our beliefs are supporting us really is if our emotions are not accurate reflections of where we are today, of who we are today, if we don't understand the why of those, then we're not assessing ourselves correctly and our emotions can't accurately reflect us. And I'll give you an example of that. I have a friend who is the nicest person when things go well. She'd give you the shirt off of her back. She's given me permission to share this story. We laugh about it now. And yet when times were under stress, she was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. She would be the first person to throw you under the bus. And several of our friends got together and we all said, we've got to do something about this. This is really kind of getting out of hand. And when we asked her about it, she simply said, Well, that's just the way I am. And that's because getting back to what I was saying earlier, when we're highly unconscious of our emotions, of of what our feelings are, when we're highly unconscious about our beliefs and we haven't reevaluated them to see if they're current and they're supporting us, then we can't possibly be living our best life or becoming our best 
because we're coming from something that's outdated. And so as we look at the importance of emotional intelligence, and, and now more than ev ever, they talk about empathy being one of the, the top leadership skills. And if we can't connect effectively and accurately with our own emotions, we can't express empathy because it wouldn't come off as real or authentic and we wouldn't be able to support it. And so when we have all of the challenges that we're having right now in our environment and the things where patience is very helpful and we, we really want to understand our emotions, we wanna make sure they're current and up to date. And so focusing on emotional intelligence is huge for us. And it also helps us again, raising our level of awareness, becoming conscious of them and kind of figuring out what they are and why they are so that as we move forward and we apply the five components of emotional intelligence, we're doing it to, to where we know is, is our best. Yeah, I, I like that idea of pausing to be curious, like you mentioned earlier. So that moment where you start feeling reactive, you mm. think, huh, you know, is this current? Is Where is this coming from? And just start asking yourself these questions as opposed to just reacting from habit. And then it also seems that your concept of radical presence is also crucial as well. It is. And in both of those, one of the things that when we practice massive acceptance, when we stay radically present, when we raise to our level of consciousness what, what our emotions really are, when a change occurs, rather than unconsciously reacting to it the way that we have in the past, we have what I call the grace of space that we're able to reflect for that just that brief instant. And, and they talk about that, they use a different expression for it, but they kind of talk about that in emotional intelligence is that we're not just unconsciously reacting. What we wanna do, because remember, we're always a choice. So we wanna make sure that we're, we're coming from a place of choice. And so we've got that little bit of a grace of space to say, what do I choose in this moment? And if we're conf conflicted, and this is such a powerful thing for us to be able to do, when we feel that little nudge and we either feel it in our head, our heart, or our gut, when we feel like mm, we can listen to it and reflect on it and say, okay, we're being told something, let's become aware of this so we don't just unconsciously react and we're choosing so we have the best choice and the best output for what we're doing. Yeah, that is so interesting, that kind of that space between stimulus and response. And in that space is where you have the choice and you can make a change. I also like that, you know, you kind of talked about the three centers of being, you know, your, your head, your heart, your body, and to really pay attention to the messages you're getting from each of those centers. I think that sometimes people have like one center that's more dominant and you don't necessarily listen to your gut or you're not listening to your heart. So I, I, I really value that idea that emotional intelligence comes from all of those areas and to really pay attention. It is. And it's really helpful for us when we are, when we're recognizing that Every emotion we have in our lives has a purpose. It's, every emotion is valuable. Every emotion is important. One of the sad things I hear from coaching clients is, I just don't want to get upset. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be mad. Each emotion serves a purpose for us. 
the thing that we want to do, raising things to our level of consciousness, is we want to make sure that we're prepared to have the correct emotion for the experience so we process that experience with the right emotion and then we can let it go. And so, for example, one of the things that people will say, and this again um, often comes in the caregiving community, is, oh, I feel so guilty. So my, you know, for example, my friend asked me to go out to lunch and I couldn't take my husband because he's got dementia. I just feel really guilty going out and having a good time when he can't. Well, guilt is not the correct emotion. Guilt is when you've done something really wrong. And so you, you feel guilty, but then you've said that and then off you go. And so you have that and it just lingers underneath. And then you constantly have an emotion that's incorrect. When you say, what emotion really serves the fact that I wish my husband could go out to lunch and yet he can't, I would, I would love that if he, that was something he could still do. You have access to consider other emotions, one of which is, it makes me sad. It makes me sad that he can't do that. And you can process that sadness and then you can move on. What we want to make sure we're able to do is to, to evaluate our emotions and make sure that we're having the correct one for the experience and not say, I don't want to feel that. Say, I want to feel the correct emotion and process it through that. Thank you so much for clarifying that. That is one of the best explanations I've ever heard. I mean, especially I liked your example of guilt because I think that's a go-to emotion for people in so many areas, especially caregivers. Well, let's switch to talking about your caregiving journey. So you've been a caregiver to 11 family members and loved ones over the past several decades. Currently, more than one in five employees are in roles of non-professional caregiving in support of a loved one. So can you give us an overview of what you've learned from this experience and talk about your passion for helping others navigate caregiving and for helping leaders support employees who are caregivers? Yes. It's really a, a global crisis and the, the numbers are escalating all the time. And I've created several programs. One is called the Caregiver's Journey and it helps non-professional caregivers go all the way th through the five phases of their caregiving journey from before it begins to actually moving forward after the, their loved one has passed. And yet I've also created another one called Leadership Cares and it focuses from a business perspective on leading the entire organization through the caregiving and awareness and resources and empowerment and solutions. And one of the things that's really helpful for all of us is when we're working on teams to be sensitive and be aware of people who are non-professional caregivers. There are tremendous amounts of overwhelm in that. Many caregivers feel uncomfortable sharing because they're afraid people will think, well, they can't hold their job and they need to have their job and they they but but they also come in and they're exhausted and so it's harder for them to be as creative and so from a sensitivity perspective it's great for us to look around us and with with really truly more than one in five people now being non-professional caregivers you kind of you look to your left and you look to your right and you're in a team meeting and someone there at least one person is a is a, is a family caregiver and the importance of us being able to, to help that is that, for example, I wanted to make sure that the lessons I've learned over the past 35 years can become of value to other people. You know, wisdom is not wisdom if we don't share it. 
And so as we look at the crisis of what it, it really is financially and relationally and in our health, you know, look around you and ask people and, and check in and kind of if they, if it seems like somebody's a little off, see if that's part of their journey. And, you know, and if you're in an organization and they're not really kind of focusing on this as something that's important for everybody to know about, bring it up. Yeah, that is such important work that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It it is. It's something that just like we had, uh, you know, like we've had issues like 10 years ago, we didn't talk about mental health. There were times when if you had children, it wasn't discussed. And now there are organizations that embrace from a cultural perspective that this is really a part of our everyday, that in our working environments. And there will be a day when we're when we're more caught up culturally and with each other of understanding the impacts of it so we can support each other better. And so right now we're kind of in what I I call the messy middle. It's It's a crisis, there's a lot of it, and we haven't figured out completely what to do with it yet. And so where we can be part of the solution is seeing in others what they've got going on. And if you are a family caregiver, you know, share and reach out and ask questions. Right. I was on a panel recently and the topic of caregiving came up and one of the women who spoke literally started crying because she so appreciated her manager's willingness to accommodate the needs she had for one of her parents who was dying and was on hospice. And she said it makes her so loyal to the organization because she is forever grateful that she had that time and space to be there when it was so important. So I just, I love the work that you're doing. And I I think, like you said, especially being in the messy middle, it's great to have, you know, some structure to help people navigate that. So Sue, we have time for three final questions. Do you have habits that you feel have contributed to your success? With your permission, may I please change that question? Yes, absolutely. Habits are unconscious patterns of behavior. Yes, right. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I talk about being intentional. And so one of the things that I do every day, I start my day with a reminder of being intentional. And then I I also select gratitude. I tend to come every single day. I choose to be coming from a place of gratitude. Whatever the experience is, there's a lesson for me in this experience and there's something for me to learn. And then I live from unquenchable curiosity of what else is possible. And so rather than having a habit, my choice is that I am intentional and I become conscious more and more every single day of what's going on around me being radically present, accepting it, the massive acceptance and living from a place of gratitude. And there is something here for me to learn. I love that. Thank you so much. What advice would you have for up and coming leaders? The number one thing I would have as advice for up and coming leaders is one of the things that can happen is that as we're on a path we're working very, very hard to do something really, really, really well. And we excel at that. And people recognize it and say, hey, you're great at that. Come do this and come do this and come do this. We can be pulled 
along the path of our career. And at some point in time, we can quit being very intentional and looking at, is this where I really want to go? Is this what I'm really passionate about? And so what I ask for everyone who is an emerging leader, and actually a leader of, of any, whether it's the PTA, no matter what it is, for all of us in any area of our life, is reflecting on, is this what I'm really passionate about? And, and the, the, the questions that you get to, you know, like exploring your beliefs, exploring what's really important to you, your values, and seeing if that's aligned with your purpose. And so as you continue to perform, make sure that everything that you're doing is aligned with you being current with your what you believe to be true. So you're not living from beliefs that are no longer true for you, that you're focused on what's really important to you. What do you value the most? So you're not sacrificing those things. And then what really calls to you? And, and our purpose statement is not, you know, that formatted thing we do at work and things like that. Your purpose statement is what, what fills my heart? What breaks my heart? What can I not do? And as you look through what you're doing, continue to live your life through the reflection on those and at every step live from the intention of that because it shifts over time. And if we stay on the same path and we don't explore, we could be missing that what else is possible and what am I really here for? Oh, thank you. That is great advice. Sue, final question. Do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto? Yes, I do. Each of us is a treasure in our world. When we know the gifts of our treasure, we transform our world by sharing them. It's not why you it's why not you. And that's so, a quote that I created. I love that quote, Sue. Thank you so much. That is, that is a fantastic quote. The quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, he always says that that's what his dad used to say to him is why not you? Why not you? So he's like that mantra is in his mind that why not you? So I love that. Thank you so much. Sue, Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and strategies for being more intentional in everything that you do. I will remember your definition that change is something that happens both to us and for us and how we navigate that transition that is required is our choice. I love your term massive acceptance and radical presence. I appreciated your great tips for how to bring emotional intelligence into everything that we do. And also thank you for telling us about your caregiver's journey program. That is a much needed resource for so many people. If you would like more information on this, please visit Sue's website, Sue Ryan Solutions. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mentium Matters podcast. We look forward to having you back next time. Thanks everyone.